not now. <laughs> Job. Oh, Lord. Job is good. Job is great. James, the book of James. Okay, what else? If you, you know, we're, we're going to get through with Genesis around 2007, so <laughs> y'all just pray about it. <laughs> huh? Book of Revelation? Yeah, book of Revelation, that's a good one. We've done that. All right, let's uh, look at Genesis chapter 4. I love the Word of God. I don't care where you fall in it, I love the Word of God. And so, Genesis chapter 4, verse 1. Now Adam knew Eve his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, and said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. Then she bore again, this time his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of the sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering. But he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. So the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? And why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, read this next part with me, because it applies to all of us. If you do not do well, sin lies at the door. And its desire is for you. But here's the will of God, that you should rule over it. Now Cain talked with Abel, his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field. This makes me believe, y'all, that it was premeditated murder. Because the, the way the scripture puts this out, Cain just sort of got Abel to walking with him. They're just kind of taking a little stroll through the field. You get the feeling that Cain coaxed him into that field to go on this walk. It came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and killed him. The first murder, and I, if you got a pen, you can write next to that, it's the first martyrdom. It's the first martyrdom. Because remember, Abel's sacrifice had been accepted by God. He was righteous. He understood what God required. So he was made righteous by his faith. Cain was rejected. Cain murdered him because of his walk with God. That's martyrdom. So the first martyr in the whole Bible is Abel. Then the Lord came to Cain and said to him, Where is Abel your brother? And he popped off to God, I'm telling you. I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? Whoa. And he said, What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Now he's nailed. God says to him, Now you are cursed from the earth, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you till the ground, it will no longer yield its strength to you. A fugitive and a vagabond, you will be on the earth. Cain said to the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Surely you have driven me out this day from the face of the ground. I will be hidden from your face. I'll be a fugitive and a vagabond on the earth, and it will happen that anyone who finds me will kill me. Notice he's got a fear of happening to him what he did to somebody else. And the Lord said to him, Therefore, look at the mercy of God. Therefore, whoever kills Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him 
sevenfold. And the Lord set a mark on Cain, lest anyone finding him should kill him. So it wasn't a mark of uh, cursing him, it was a mark of protection. It protected him from being murdered. Then Cain went out from the presence of the Lord, dwelt in the land of Nod, on the east of Eden. Now, this is important, let's follow along. Cain knew his wife. Go ahead and ask it with me. Where in the world she come from? I'm going to cover that. And she conceived and bore Enoch. And he built a city and called the name of the city after the name of his son, Enoch, not to be confused with the Enoch who was raptured. This is not the same man. To Enoch was born Irad. And then it goes through the genealogy of Cain. We don't need to fool with that. I want you to drop down to verse 23 and look at the words of Lamech one of the descendants of Cain. This is the last descendant of Cain that Genesis 4 is going to mention, and it's very important because look at this man. Ada and Zilhah, hear my voice. He's talking to his two wives, and the tenor in the Hebrew is, listen to me. He's, he's being crude and harsh. Wives of Lamech, how would you like to be called? Hey, wife of Jeff. Kathy, that wouldn't bless you, would it? Well, don't tell me you like that. I'm trying to do a metaphor here. <laughs> but he, he's being harsh. That, it's my, that's what I want you to see. This man is, is coarse and harsh. Look what he confesses. I've killed a man because he wounded me. Even a young man for hurting me. If Cain shall be avenged sevenfold, then Lamech seventy-sevenfold. And that's the last we hear from the descendants of Cain. I'm going to go back to that in just a little bit. The last verse. And Adam knew his wife again, and she bore a son and named him Seth. Circle that name. Very crucial. For out of Seth came Christ. For God has appointed another seed for me instead of Abel. So God replaced Abel with Seth. So guess what, everybody? When Cain killed Abel, he was killing, he killed the man who God originally intended to, to be the beginning of the lineage that brought forth Christ. It was a satanic attempt to stop the fulfillment of Genesis 3.15. That matters. So God gave him Seth. For God has appointed another seed. And that's what he's referring to now. For me instead of Abel. He's thinking of the promise. He's thinking of the promise whom Cain killed. Verse 26, and we're done. And as for Seth, to him also a son was born. He named him Enosh. Then read this last part with me. Then men began to call on the name of the Lord. Father, thank you for your word tonight. Bless it in Jesus' name. Teach us so that we can be wise in the scriptures in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. And, um... Now, I'm just going to cover the highlights of this chapter. This is a very powerful chapter, but I do want to reiterate the John 3.16 of the Old Testament. I wanted us to read it together because this is crucial to everything that we're headed into in the book of Genesis now. Because there when God was judging the serpent for his part in seducing Eve, deceiving Eve into sin, God judged him, and let's read out loud what God said to him, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. Now notice the second 
is a capital S, seed. I'm going to put enmity, conflict, warfare between your seed, the seed of Satan, and her seed, which is a messianic prophecy, clearly, because he capitalizes the S in the Hebrew, Moses did, but now also he tells us about Jesus, he shall bruise your head, he shall bruise your head, and you're going to bruise his heel. That's a prediction. Remember, Moses wrote this under the stars, sitting in the wilderness, carrying a million plus people across to the promised land. By revelation of God, he wrote this. And he said, when the serpent deceived Eve, God judged him. And part of the judgment, believe me, sent tremors through the devil. And that's why I believe with all my heart, he immediately, immediately moved on Cain to murder his brother who was right with God and would have been the head of the descendants that brought forth Messiah. So there was immediately a satanic assignment to stop this promise. We know that he did bruise his heel. That's the crucifixion. That's an amazing prediction of the coming crucifixion of Jesus whose heel was bruised, pierced on the cross. Now, going back to the beginning of this chapter 4, several things we need to point out. First of all, the two offerings of the two boys. Skipping ahead just, just a couple of chapters. Here we are. Everybody's been judged. The devil's been judged. Eve, Adam, they all got their part in the judgment of God. Now they're going on with life. Chapter 4 opens up with Adam and Eve coming together. Children are beginning to be born. And firstborn is Cain, secondborn is Abel. And the time came, it says in the process of time, that they knew they should bring an offering to God. Now where did they get this knowledge? They got this knowledge, y'all. When, when God covered Adam and Eve with an animal skin, God was sending them a message. You have symbolically, figuratively speaking, covered your sin with vegetation. That's not going to work. That's not my way. Here's my way. My way is in there's got to be the shedding of blood. And so God slew an animal and covered them in an animal skin, and God was giving the first family a lesson right there. He was telling the first family, the only way sin is covered is by the shedding of blood. Then he gave them this prophecy. He gave them this prophecy in the same hour, in the same time. And it was very, very clear. Somebody is coming from the seed of the woman. He's going to bruise, he's going to deliver to the serpent a death blow to his head. And so they had an understanding, Eve had an understanding, that out of her lineage, it was going to be a human being from the womb of a woman was going to come a deliverer who was going to defeat the devil. They knew this. And they also were taught way back in that ancient garden that sin was only covered by the shedding of blood. Now, these two boys, I have to believe that they taught them that because how else would Abel have known this? Abel knew what kind of offering would please God because he brought to God of the firstborn of his flock. So he slew an animal so, and, and offered that to God knowing the only way, the only, and they were, it was a sin offering, this was an ancient sin offering. 
The only way my sin's going to be covered is the shedding of blood. Cain was in rebellion. It's my opinion, there's not a verse that says this, but you can gather this from the context, that Cain knew what uh, the parents had been taught, and he rebelled against it, and he, he did what all people do who resist Christ. They say, it's, he's not the only way. I don't have to go by way of the blood. I don't have to go by some bloody religion. I can get there hugging a tree. I can get there sitting in a lotus position on the floor saying, Aum. I can get there by Buddha. I can get there by Confucius. I can get there by my own talent. I can get there by going to church every Sunday and, and, and doing good works and giving to the poor and being just a, a good person. I can get there by never getting a ticket, never breaking a law. I can get to heaven by just being a good person. You know what you're doing right there? You're giving to God an offering from the ground. Your, your, your own best idea, it's your own way. It's a good idea, but it's not a God idea. Because the only way, God is telling us way back in the garden, the only way to be saved is the shedding of blood. So here comes Cain. He takes the fruit of the ground. I don't know what it was, corn, wheat, I don't know what it was. He offers it to God. And God says, says, God did not respect it. Because God only sees blood to cover sin. And so Cain became angry. Abel brought the shedding of blood. And because of that, his sin was covered. I want you to notice Hebrews 9.22. This is the message of the entire Bible. Could you read it with me? Hebrews 9.22. And according to the law, almost all things are purified with blood. And without shedding of blood, there is no remission, forgiveness. There isn't any. Now Leviticus is where that came from. Moses finally just said it in the the, uh, Levitical law. So let's read it. For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you upon the altar to make atonement for your souls, for it is the blood that makes atonement for the soul. And that's it. Nothing else will do it. Now, when God rejected Cain's offering, he became furious. Instead of learning from his mistake, because God told him, clear as a bell, Cain, you can do well, just like Abel. If you do well, Cain, it's going to go well with you. If you come to me by way of blood, I'll receive your offering just like I did Abel's. In other words, it's not that I like Abel more, I like his sacrifice. Amen. That's why when we get to heaven, we won't be saying, thank you, Jesus, for letting me in because I was so smart or so talented or so good. Or because you just liked me better than them. No. He'll say, you're getting in because of the offering you leaned on. You're not getting in for any other reason. If you give him a good idea, he's going to say, I don't respect your offering. Too bad. Goodbye. But if you say, Lord, I'm here for one reason only, the blood of the Lamb, the blood of the Lamb, the blood of the Lamb. He'll say, enter into the joy of the Lord. Because it's by blood we get in. Amen? Amen? Oh, I'll tell you, our culture needs to hear that. Because now we have been plagued with pluralism. All the media, even what calls, uh, the media that calls itself conservative, they may be politically conservative, but beware. Theologically, they're extremely liberal. I've heard the most conservative among them politically say all kinds of things that are totally out to lunch theologically. 
you can't lean on the politically conservative media for theologically conservative truth. Did that make any sense? I'm just trying to warn you. I've heard Bill O'Reilly, and I like Bill O'Reilly. I've heard Sean Hannity, I like Sean. But they, they don't just come out, they don't understand that the only way to heaven is the blood of the Lamb of the only begotten Son of God. And there isn't any other way. And, and way back in the garden, God was priming us, preparing us, pointing down the road to the day that John the Baptist would stand up and say, Behold, the Lamb of God, who's going to offer a better sacrifice and give us a better covenant with better blood. And he's going to do it one time, once and for all. And he's going to be the only way and truth and life. Amen, Pastor Jeff. I like that. That's good stuff. Now, verses 6 and 7, Cain didn't learn from his mistake. Anger controlled him. Anger. Stick a D on anger, and what do you have? Danger. danger. If you don't deal with anger, you're headed to danger. The anger got a hold of him. He killed, committed the first murder and the first martyrdom. Verse 10, God comes to him, and I find very chilling what God said. The voice of your brother's blood. Now, I've got to tell you something here. I wish I had a marks a lot. But here's the deal. In the Hebrew, it's not singular blood. I got it right here. I think I can write on this. In the Hebrew, it's... Oh, I'm too low? There? Okay. In the Hebrew, this is what it says. Bloods. Yeah, you can do that. You can't do that? I've always done that. Let me see. Can I? Is that going to burn me? If it burns me, y'all are going to see. Well, well, that's a good thing to have stuck on there. Oh, Jesus, help me. I will. Okay. I've always written on that. Do we have any uh, a Kleenex, anybody? Or? Oh, I don't worry about it. We're all right. We're all right. We're all right. Now, in the Hebrew, it doesn't say the blood, the voice of your brother's blood. Here's what it says, the voice of your brother's bloods cries from the ground. What does that mean? God was saying when you killed him, you killed everybody who would have come after him. And I think God was saying, perhaps hinting at, pointing at Messiah if God had not given Adam Seth. Because it's bloods in the Hebrew. So folks, when a murder happens, that murderer didn't just kill one person. That murderer killed all who would have come from them. Okay. Let's see if this will get it up. I think we're going to... There, there it goes. We're fine. We got it. I got it. I got it. I got it. We're done. There. I got it. Okay, I don't need to write anymore. <laughs> that was a lot of hoodoo for nothing. Okay. Okay. That's okay. We're fine. We're fine. All right. Oh, boy. We have to edit this tape. Those of you listening by tape, 
This is why we need a savior. <laughs> okay. So notice with me now, it's very important to notice this. I think it's powerful. The voice of your brother's bloods cries out to me from the ground. So now you are cursed from the earth. And God begins to pronounce punishment on Cain. Cain decides that the punishment is too great for him to bear. And what God did was God touched him as a man where men really live, and that is in what they do. Cain had offered an offering from the fruit of the ground. He was a tiller of the ground. He was a a farmer. And Abel was a shepherd. And so God said, no longer are you going to be able to till that ground and it yield anything to you. Now, I want you men who are in here who think, uh, or, or who work at a job that you, you, you like, or you, you, you know that there is a lot of your identity you get from your job. And you women too, think about it, that if tomorrow you woke up and you knew no longer am I going to be able to produce anything from this task. I'm no longer, it'd be like me, if I knew I would never again see another result from preaching. Never see another soul saved. Never see uh, uh, somebody blessed from teaching. Never see another life changed from the ministry of the Word of God. If I knew that I preached a hundred more years and one more life was changed because no longer was the ground, figuratively speaking, going to yield its fruit to me. This is what Cain woke up with. You can till it, Cain, but it's not going to yield for you. I think it's interesting, too, where did the blood go? It went into the ground. So because he shed innocent blood, and it went into the ground, the ground was then cursed with Cain for the rest of his life. Now, let me just carry this a step further. If this was this serious, what is God thinking about abortion? Now, if you're in here tonight and you've had an abortion, I want you to know God's a God of mercy and forgiveness. He heals and he restores, and he'll carry you to a bright future. But that that doesn't mean, because people have done this, that we can't address the issue for fear of hurting them. We've got to tell the truth. Of the seven things God hates, it says in Proverbs, one of them is the shedding of innocent blood. And any time one of those babies is aborted, and how many a year now in America alone? A million? That means not only that child, but their bloods. Their bloods. So Cain says, I can't handle this. This is too much for me. So he decided to become a builder. And it says in verse uh, 16... He went out from the presence of the Lord. Everybody say with me, you're in trouble if you go out from the presence of the Lord. Man, that to me is a frightening verse. He he receives the mark. He knows nobody's going to murder him. It says, then he goes out from the presence of the Lord and dwelt in the land of Nod. And how appropriate, because Nod means wandering. He went out from the presence of the Lord as a wanderer. It's no mistake that he ended up in a place called wandering. Folks, when you go out from the presence of the Lord, there is only one option, there's only one thing you look forward to, and that's wandering. In Christ, there is direction and purpose and meaning. And there's a center. 
But if you get away from him, let me tell you what you're going to be. Overnight, in process of time, quickly, you become a wanderer. Just wandering, just aimlessly wandering through life. What a way to live. So since he could not till the ground anymore, he began to build. We'll get to that in just a moment. But it says in verse 17, Cain knew his wife and she conceived and bore Enoch. So where did she come from? Well, I want you to look at Genesis 5-3 with me for a minute. And it says in Genesis 5-3, Adam lived 130 years and begot a son in his own likeness after his image and named him Seth. So between the murder of Abel and Seth, there were 130 years. How would you like to have 130 years between sons? These people, he reached 930 years. Now watch this. Now look at verse 4. After he begot Seth, the days of Adam were 800 years. So he lived 800 more years. And he had, say with me what he had, he had sons and daughters. Now if you want to jump back to verse 17 in chapter 4, I think that we can safely assume he did not meet his wife in Nod. Because if he had met her in Nod, Moses would have told us that he did. Because Moses made a point of telling us that Enoch was born in Nod. So since Moses didn't tell us, here's what I think. I think he was already married to his wife before his judgment, before he murdered, and before he became a wanderer. And she went with him. So I tell you, pray over who you marry. Because you don't want to end up a wanderer. What are you doing, wandering? Where's your life going? I don't know, where's wandering? Why are you wandering? I'm following him. Why? He's a wanderer. No, you want somebody centered in Jesus. Now watch this now. There's no doubt his wife was a sister. That's the only way it could happen. Because incest was not forbidden until Moses forbade it. And Moses was to come centuries later. If, if, there, if incest were not allowed, then, then the, the human population would never have happened. Because there was Adam and Eve and then their children. It doesn't take a rocket scientist. So just because it doesn't talk about the daughters that were born of Moses until chapter 5, verse 4, all we need to know is he had sons and daughters. And this is where Cain got his wife. Now, I'm going to count to three and we can all say, because I have three sisters and I can't think of any... I mean, that was, those were rough days, you know? Hey, sis, what are you doing Friday night? <laughs> okay, one, two, three. <laughs> but that's the way that it was back then. <laughs> that's the way that it was back then. Adam, uh, or rather, uh, Moses came along in uh, Leviticus and said no more of that and God changed the law but until then no amen that so threw me I lost my place 
Okay. Verses 18 through 22, a brief mention is made of Cain's descendants. And I want you to notice something. This is important because God makes no mistakes in his word, and there's always a reason for everything. But he only spends four verses on the descendants of Cain. You know why? Because they weren't blessed and they weren't righteous. So God doesn't take long to talk about the descendants of Cain. But what I really do think matters is when we come to Lamech, or Lamech, I think Lamech. When we come to Lamech, the word of God expands on him. And I've noticed, anytime the word of God expands on a person, there is a reason for it. And the reason he expands on Lamech is because he wants us to see the mindset and the spirituality, the spiritual condition of the descendants of Cain. Because what we're about to see, folks, and I want you to listen carefully to me now, what we're about to see is a fork in the road. And we're about to see two branches split off in the word of God. The righteous branch and the ungodly branch. And we're going to see that the righteous branch is the branch that ultimately brings forth Messiah. The evil branch is that which ultimately brings forth all kinds of wicked, troublesome people. So God expands on Lamech for a reason. He wants us to see what Cain's descendants were like. So, here we have Lamech. Now, I've written down three things about him that I saw. He's cruel and coarse in how he talks to his wives. He's cruel and coarse. He he is really, really miserable to live with. Second thing I wrote down about him is he's violent. I killed a man. Why did I kill the man? Because he wounded me. Well, that's a severe penalty for a slight transgression. In other words, this man was taking on the nature of his great-grandfather, who was Cain. And he, and he, he was a murderer. He was a murderer. He was violent. He was a man of bloodshed. And this was the wicked lineage of Cain. I killed a man for wounding me. Now, the third thing is, he's presumptuous. He's presumptuous. He says this, if God protected Cain when he killed somebody, then he's going to protect me. He's proud, he's arrogant, and he's presumptuous. He's difficult to live with, he's harsh, he's coarse, and he's violent. Now, I find it very interesting that God wraps up the lineage of Cain giving us a glimpse into what his descendants were producing as far as the fruit in their life. He wants us to see that, or he wouldn't have expanded on Lamech. Now, with those words, the lineage of Cain ceases to be mentioned, and God introduces us to Seth. Adam knew his wife again, and she bore a son, named him Seth. Seth, which means appointed. Seth means appointed. Now, what we're about to get into, the last of this chapter, is very important. Because with the introduction of Seth and his son Enosh, men began to call on the name of the Lord. So what are we being shown? Did we find Lamech and any of other Cain's descendants calling on the name of the Lord? No. 
They're mean, violent, and coarse. But now when we come to Seth and his descendants, we find that they're calling on the name of the Lord. I found it interesting. Uh, The Hebrew rendering could also be, then began men to call themselves by the name of the Lord. Then began men to call themselves by the name of the Lord. Not only do they call on the Lord, but it can also be rendered, they began to identify themselves with the Lord, just like we do with Jesus. And that's the lineage of Seth. Seth means not just appointed, but it means set, settled, or placed. Because in his seed, in his seed, mankind would continue to the end of time, and from his seed, the Messiah would come. So notice how God is showing us the split here. While Cain, the head and the example of those who depart from God, is made a wanderer, Seth, from whom the true church would come, is set, settled, fixed, and in a sure place. Isn't that powerful? God wants us to see this. Because he makes no mistakes, not about one personality in the Bible. Everything is in there for a reason. In these two men, Cain and Seth, we see a picture of the world and the church. Those who depart from God and those who seek God. Those who run from him and those who run toward him. Then began men to call on the name of the Lord, or then began men to be called by the name of the Lord. How many of you want to be called by the name of the Lord? So folks, there's really two kinds of people, and I don't think I'm being oversimplifying to say this. Those who call on the name of the Lord and those who don't. Those who go off and do their own thing and those who seek Him. Those who live in the ways of the world and those who live by the ways of God. Seth, or Cain. Because as we go through Genesis, you're going to see the lineage of Seth moving on down to a man named Abram in Genesis 12, and you can trace him back to Seth. But you trace the descendants of Cain, trouble, trouble, trouble. They were the people that the Israelites had to go up against to take the land. So we're closing chapter 4 with a clear distinction being made between the godly and the ungodly, and it's going to follow like a thread all through Scripture, and look around you, it's all through life. You're either a Cain or a Seth. And if you're a Cain, i got good news for you, you can become a Seth. Because we were all Cains. Isn't that what it says? We were all children of wrath until we called on the name of the Lord, and he saved us, gave us a new spirit, And then we got moved into the line, the blessed line of Seth. Praise God. Give the Lord a hand and stand up with me, can you? Oh, yeah, I had one more verse. Let's just read, because this has to do with the blood, that when innocent blood is shed. Read Revelation 6, 9, and 10 with me. This is really powerful. When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. And they cried with a loud voice, saying, How long, Lord, holy and true, until you judge and avenge what? Our blood. 
on those who dwell on the earth. And of course, God's answer is, hang on just a little bit longer. Because blood is never shed, but what God answers it. Amen? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we just thank you for the powerful word of God. We thank you, Lord, that we see way back the promise of God to send the Redeemer. We see immediately a satanic attempt to destroy the promise. And then we see your redemption and your mercy in bringing the promise back into hope. Thank you, Lord, that through the process of a lot of time, in the fullness of time, Jesus was born, the Lamb of God, to bruise Satan's head. Thank you, Lord, that he's defeated and that we have life. In Jesus' name, amen. Now next week, don't miss it because we're going to look at the first rapture in the Bible. And the reason it's going to matter is because it's a picture of what's going to happen to you. All right? God bless you. Have a good night.